Today's episode is brought to you by Drizzly. Beer, wine, and liquor delivered in under 60 minutes. Shop and order from thousands of products from local retailers with absolutely no markup. Seriously. And if you head over to unitedwedrink.com slash drizzly, D-R-I-Z-L-Y, right now and enter the promo code DRIZZLYDEAL, D-R-I-Z-L-Y-D-E-A-L, you will get $5 off your first order of over $20. Sit back and relax and order yourself a six-pack or a nice bottle of Cab Sav or a handle of Buffalo Trace if you so wish. Do it all with Drizzly at unitedwedrink.com slash drizzly. Drizzly, beer, wine, and liquor delivered in under 60 minutes. Must be 21 to use. Enjoy responsibly. The opinions and statements in this podcast do not represent those of the host's employers, co-workers, family, or imaginary friends. Now enjoy the show. Happy hour, more like amateur hour. Welcome to United We Drink. everyone and welcome back to the podcast that one in three of these hosts recommends welcome to united we drink right here on unitedwedrink.com as well as apple podcasts spotify stitcher google podcasts iHeartRadio, and wherever fine podcasts are found my name is mikey revich i'm a co-host who had far too much fun brewery hopping in miami yesterday and is feeling the effects of it i'm joined by my two cohorts of the show First up is a man who is definitely a gentleman, but not likely to be called a scholar anytime soon. It's Phil Palmasano. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate that. <laughs> I'm actually studying for another test already, so go we're fuck also, myself. We're also joined by a man who, after yesterday, may be a beer slushy convert. Here's Joel <laughs> Codner. If you just put a seltzer in that slushy machine, I'm game. I saw you were drinking a slushy the other day, and I, I I was a little jealous. I'm not gonna lie. Listen, when you're in Miami and you're at your third brewery of the day, and everyone's half naked and the salsa music is blasting, anything goes. I don't know who was happier about that though. In the photo, it looked like your wife was significantly happier about you drinking a slushy than you drinking the actual slushy. I don't think it was about the slushy. I think it was more about my pinky out and the umbrella. And the whole, <laughs> you know. She was also eyeballing the Sour Patch kids that were floating atop it. Oh. Decoration. Garnish, as they call in the industry. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, who has continued uh, watching, or not watching, listening to the show. We're, we're not a video thing. We had our first yeah. mini episode last week. Let us know how you think about that. We know it was probably a little too long, so we're going to work on that for future mini episodes. Gentlemen, before we get into talking about the news, what are we drinking? So I started priming the pump with a couple of Modellos, but I'm sure some way or at some point through this show, I'll be opening this fine uh, vintage 2011 Brooklyn Monster Barley Wine. Good stuff. Shout out to Garrett Oliver and the fine folks at... Brooklyn for making shelf stable beer that'll last this long. Nice, nice. Twenty twelve. 
2011. 2011. Listening to the dude's story. Wow. Vintage. Uh, Phil, what about you? I'm drinking a uh, Manson Lamps bourbon barrel aged sweet stout with coconut from Cigar City. It was a Tampa Bay beer release, I think, last year. I've never heard of that good. one. Yeah. But, I mean, with the amount of different unique beers that they put out all the time, it's hard to keep up anymore with uh, what new stuff is cranking out of there. Yeah, you're telling me. <laughs> uh, I am uh, drinking uh, Mexico's finest Topo Chico mineral water, the twist of grapefruit flavor. And I have a backup of Seagram's ginger ale. That's uh, really feeling. <laughs> you remember last episode we talked about taking days off? I'm taking today off. <laughs> it's it's one of those days. Really good hangover relief, I'm just telling you. Midol and Pedialyte. It's a weird combination, but think about it. It works. I don't think I have either of those in my house. So thanks Time for that. Though. Up. No problem. Phil, why don't you take us into some news this week? Man, since the last time we recorded, there's been some fun stuff. We're going to start again. We're not just a beer podcast. We're sort of branching out here into spirits and wine. The Glenn Levitt unveiled a uh, innovative capsule collection of glassless cocktails. If you guys haven't seen these, they sort of look like fucking Tide Pods <laughs> with uh, cocktails in them. The actual pod itself is made out of a seaweed base and they recommend that you put the entire pod into your mouth take a bite and it's basically a perfect sip i what do you guys think there's no question here what do you guys think is this cool joel you looking to put beer in pods anytime soon not beer but i'll tell you what i am all about this tide pod scotch i saw this thing i was like holy shit those look like infinity stones i gotta collect them all I, I love scotch. I, I love single malt scotch. I know all the connoisseurs and, and uh, snobs are, you know, just like with anything else, are, are just ripping it apart, saying it's horrible and it's gimmicky or whatever. But I see the fun in it. I, I wouldn't mind popping a couple of those things and seeing what happens. I mean, it's I know, you know, it, it sort of defeats the purpose of getting it in your glass and looking at it and evaluating the aroma. You can't open it up with a drop of water. You kind of just got to wait till you're Hot saliva bursts the bubble in your mouth, <laughs> but I don't know. It looks fun. I, I think it's kind of interesting. Uh, it's weird to have to be given direct instructions on how to drink something. But at the same time, looking through these different options, they sound pretty interesting. And obviously someone put a lot of effort into tailoring these flavors, uh, specifically and like there's so much stuff in here that i've never even heard of and i'd like to try to say that i know a decent bit about cocktails but like the citrus one sounds awesome the wood one sounds awesome and the spice one sounds awesome like i'd like to do a vertical in one night i'd also probably hate myself the next day i think but uh i'm into something like this not with uh, i you're taking three shots basically i mean these things aren't it, it's not a full glass it's not like you're shoving a capri sun straw into it and taking a sip there's five plus ingredients in every single one of these two of them have six and one of them has five ingredients and yes mike you're 100 percent right i haven't heard of a majority of the ingredients and they are interesting but 
how the hell is this going to be packaged? Is it, it is this going to be a Christmas gift pack? Nine pods share with their family, um, enjoy with turkey dinner for Thanksgiving. How marketable is this, in your opinion? I think it's pretty marketable. I mean, it's look at how it re- made Joel react. I think <laughs> if you can get a reaction out of a person just like that, then I think mission accomplished. And I think that it's done that to a lot of people, uh, myself probably included in that. It also doesn't hurt that I do like uh, the Glenn Levitt uh, as well. So it's just a another thing that you can get me uh, hooked on. Yeah, you're right. Uh, who I, I think, Phil, you said it or... Joel, one of you, uh, said the purists would probably turn their nose up at this, but you know what? Fuck them. <laughs> Joel, is this is this an on-premise play or an off-premise play only? Where do you see this really impacting business for the Glenn Levitt? I don't know. I, I have, I'm horrible at the business side of things, so I, <laughs> I don't know. I know I'll be on the other side of the bar buying them um, or in-store, wherever. I I would like to check it out. And one thing I think is cool about this is it like shows how into the future we are. You know, like it makes me think of Back to the Future 2 and that little mini pizza that they rehydrate in just a few seconds. Like I see more stuff like this coming along and I don't think it's ever going to replace, you know, a full bottle of scotch. I, you know, I don't think any of that's ever going away, but it is interesting how these things come about and, and the way they're able to produce them. I agree. I was just playing devil's advocate. Next piece of news, uh, Goose Island. Well, actually, AB in general has had a pretty busy week. Goose Island is releasing a solo, low-cal IPA, ticking in at 3% ABV and 98 calories per 12-ounce serving. In addition to that, Elysian is going to be putting out a hazy IPA called contact haze six percent alcohol ab is attacking two very popular territories right now mike do you think that this is just ab trying to attack shelf space or do you think that they're just trying to force in brands how do you view ab sort of taking two of their lead dogs and pushing into these territories i i I think it's disruption i think Pretty much everything that that uh, uh, AB does anymore is pretty much disruption just to muddy the waters. And uh, if it ends up getting them more uh, market share in that category, then they'll take it. But I don't really think it's their primary goal. Joel, do you think that this plays favorably to AB? Or do you think it's another situation that we saw with maybe Carbock and Golden Road, where AB's just sort of trying to push into a territory to eat up shelf space? Yeah, I, I definitely think it's the, the last part of what you just said. I mean, there's their game is very clear. I mean, it's to disrupt, to overwhelm, to crowd out you know the the smaller guys or be on show i mean my Publix has tons of like crafty if that's what you want to call it and if you're the average consumer just walking by i I don't even think you're going to really know um and 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 there's so much of this uh like i saw some major brewery getting ready to put out uh i forgot who it is but they're putting out some brute ipa like like heavy like they're really going for it and i'm like I thought people stopped giving a shit about brood IPAs like months ago. Like, where is this coming from? But, you know, the game seems clear and, and I don't know. I, 
we'll see how it goes. I mean, it's surprising that they're not just going harder on seltzer and shit. Sorry, Mike. Well, I was trying not to talk about seltzer this entire week, but uh, maybe. I don't know. There you go. Seltzer news. Um, all right. Uh, <laughs> Mike, I'm going to we're going fast on this one. Okay. Who is the sucker for you in the Coors Light Jonas Brothers collab? And honestly, does this even make any sense? What do you mean, who's the sucker? Well, it, it, that's a Jonas Brothers song. Oh, uh, <laughs> the Jonas Brothers actually sing a song called "I'm a Sucker for You," and so are the Jonas Brothers the sucker? Or is Coors Light the sucker? Sorry, I, I don't know. I I didn't know that they were still a band. So, Joel, the, every <laughs> everyone <laughs> on this one. <laughs> well, uh, we're the suckers for talking about it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, hey, I, I like Coors Light. I almost bought some tonight. That's kind of my go-to when I'm, you know, at Duffy's two for one. But, uh, you know, nothing against Coors or, or, or the company. But uh, I would say they're the suckers in this case because they're obviously paying these guys tons of money to endorse their product. And I just don't know if I know anyone who gives a shit about the Jonas Brothers. I mean, they were sort of a joke 10 years ago in The Hangover. So I don't know how relevant they are or what this is going to do for their sales. I thought the Jonas Brothers, you know, even now still appeal to young kids and young girls. I really don't know what sort of demographic they're going for here. I agree with you. And that was really the thing that sort of stuck out to me was if Coors Light's going after a drinking audience, this seems to be a very interesting approach going with, I mean, let's call a spade a spade. This is basically the Backstreet Boys of our generation or the new kids on the block of our generation. These guys, it's a pop band one way or the other. And you're looking at it and you're saying, all right, that's great that they're big fans of Coors Light. And they have a massive following of 12-year-old females. I don't see the business return on this, but I don't know. Maybe I'm... Is uh, is the Hanson beer still a thing? The mm hops? Yeah, but they actually own that. Okay. Where Jonas Brothers obviously don't own Coors Light. Because so. this um, just feels like that. The only thing I would disagree with you, Phil, is that whereas the new kids on the block or the Backstreet Boys were these fabricated, thrown together, you know, overly produced boy bands, these guys are actually brothers. Like, it's not like they found, you know, were forced together. But that doesn't mean a thing. Anyway. I think they were still on a Disney show, though. Uh, anyways. Most important piece of news, um, and in a brewery that I know all three of us have uh, some stories and uh, honestly probably keep close to our hearts, Boulder Beer Company came out, and they're coming up on their um, 40th anniversary. Really a unique approach where they are going away from distribution and back to a brew pub model. Is this a sign of the times, or is this just Boulder trying to take a unique different pivot approach well i think it's both it's a very tough market right now and i think it's smart to scale back if that's what's needed it sucks to see the 21 people are getting laid off um but you know the brewery has to do what the brewery has to do and hopefully these people will land on their feet i mean i'm sure there's no shortage of opportunities out there as many breweries as there are and and obviously there's a, a shortage of experienced help to go along with the boom so Hopefully they'll be okay. Um, I, I, I've, 
it's no secret that I'm not crazy about distribution in many ways, and uh, I hope it works for them. I, I hope they can scale back and, and keep the focus on quality and, and everything in-house. And um, if, I mean, I'm in a non-distributing brew pub myself, and even then it's tough, and it, it, it could be tough uh, just, you know, in the slow summers or, you know, things like that. So I'm wishing them the best. I hope it works out. It sucks to see people lose their jobs. But, uh, you know, we'll see how it goes for him. And I, I think this will be uh, one of many that we'll see in, in the coming future. Yeah, I think that this is going to be a trend as well. And it's one that I think we've seen a little bit already. Uh, I think it was a few years ago, Twisted Pine uh, Brewing, who are in Boulder as well, did the same thing. They scaled back all of their distribution and went solely into a, uh, a brew pub type model. And it it is crazy to see like it's because this is a bigger name Boulder they've been around for forty forty uh, ish years like you were saying um, so it is shocking um, a couple years ago I was in Boulder and I didn't even know that they opened up another brew pub location in downtown Boulder and stopped in had a beer Shake is an amazing beer I even said to Joel the other day that I might even say it's probably one of the best chocolate beers I've ever had. Um, I would even possibly put it against like chocolate from Southern Tier. Um, so I, I think that they have the capabilities and the wherewithal to be able to make something like this happen um, and work. And uh, hopefully, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see success from them. It, it's definitely a different approach. And, and when you look at Boulder, it's so... They're pulling out of 27 states total, which that's a lot. They also are sitting on a 50-barrel brew house, which, Mike, you and I both went there. I decided to shove my hand in it um, <laughs> because I thought there was a spider web. It's a beautiful, old, like, almost... Copper, like, brewery. Yeah, a traditional brewery, and and it's... Nail decoration. It's, and basically now yeah. yes um and and even back then and and this was somewhat of the height of Colorado craft beer because it was the beginning of Florida craft beer I, they were still they had their original canning line which was one can at a time they were pulling down and and topping their cans and they showed us that yeah um i'm a little disappointed they make great beer that said, it is a super saturated market, and you know it, it's unfortunate to see people lose their jobs. I do think it's a sign of the times, though. Um, so, ending the uh, the news on a somber note. I probably should have ended with a Jonas Brothers. So. <laughs> I don't think it's somber. I think it's positive. Yeah. Well, I honestly, if they can turn it around and make it work for themselves, then I think it's it, they're they're going to be in a better situation. They can control their cost a little bit better. And and control where their beer is and how fresh their beer is, and that's ultimately the most important thing, I think. Absolutely. All right. So our main topic that we're going to be talking about today is design and uh, the rampant IP theft uh, coming through in design and craft beer. Uh, those of you who know me, follow me. Uh, no, I'm very passionate about this subject. Uh, Joel is another person who is very outspoken when it comes to this subject as well. I wanted to start things off kind of with a person in this group who I don't really know a whole lot of their thoughts on this, and that's being Phil. Like, 
you uh, you've worked with uh, some breweries that have some talented people in your design departments uh, or just a designer and you've gotten to see them create brands, create something unique and whatnot. How does it make you feel when you uh, see another brewery taking liberties with someone else's hard work and trying to make it their their own of sorts? This has been a really challenging, I guess, off week for me, trying to figure out where I land on this because not only have I had the pleasure of working with some amazingly talented individuals, but I also have been on the other side where I'm trying to gain popularity and, and exposure for a fledgling brewery where I'm trying to push and trying to do something different. And so... I've, I've literally sat on both sides of the fence where I've watched IP get stolen. I, I've uh, parodied, I think, is, and I'm going to use air quotations here, uh, IP in the past to try and gain some exposure for a brewery. It's, I, and I'm still sitting in a really challenging spot and I, I sort of curse you and I throw up my fist in anger because I'm the first one speaking here because I was hoping to be more reactionary on this topic than um, You're provocative, welcome. I guess. Uh, but at the same time, I so I understand the small brewery that's going out there and trying to get some attention and push. When I, when I was running a small brewery, I looked at it or when I was doing marketing for a small brewery, I looked at a brewery and, and and I'll I'll say Burnt Hickory does a great job of embracing this in general. Look at their t-shirt designs, things of that nature. They do a great job with label art and parody work. I think the industry needs to get better at parody and understanding parody law because there's too much blatant ripping off of Hey, I brewed a beer with X cereal and I'm just going to steal the artwork off the cereal box and put it on my can. Get creative. There's a it, we're we're living in a time where you have 3D printers. Everybody has access to Photoshop or some type of artwork where you can go through and you can parody something. You can put your head brewer's face on Tony the Tiger's face. You don't necessarily have to use Tony the Tiger, and and people get the idea. I I think that there's a ounce of laziness in this topic in particular where people just turn around and say, you know what, screw it, I'm going to Google this image, I'm going to toss it on a label, I'm good to go. Or I'm going to put it on a shirt, and I'm going to move away from there. But I, I, I definitely understand it, and I get it. And, you know, we have a local brewery in South Florida that does a really good job of parody artwork, in my opinion. And they've contracted out a local cartoonist to design all their artwork, all their labels. They put their spin on literally every label and they do a great job with it. And I think more people need to head in that direction and and look at breweries like a Burnt Hickory that does take the parody law and understand the parody law. And honestly, they're not looking to distribute their beer or their T-shirts or anything else well outside of their area they're doing small runs they're keeping it in-house and they're they're handling it that way you now uh, i'll be reactionary you 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 walked that fence line like ever so carefully it seemed like um i'm torn i it, seriously i it, 
go back, listen to the last full episode. I told you this was not going to be a fun topic for me, and you had me lead off. So, I <laughs> thank you. Um, like there, there's some things in there. Like a, a lot of breweries do not understand parody and understand how how incredibly hard it is to do parody. There is a big difference between parody and just straight up ripping off. And almost no one has the ability, anyone who is doing these labels has the ability to know that. And they do it terribly. It's, I, and you, you mentioned something in there before with trying to get exposure by doing that it's it's coming across as yeah we know that we're doing something wrong and we're just hoping we get a C and D just to get some press a C and D's you do you see that as with, marketing yeah absolutely it, it, listen I, I when I went to school and and we were going through business at 101 it was no no promotion is bad promotion. Well, I, I can disagree there. But at the end of the day, if if you're going out there and you're doing something and you blatantly and say you want to go after Disney, Disney probably Disney has more people on payroll paying attention to their IP than probably any other company. And if you do something with Disney IP, more than likely you're going to get a C&D. Guess what? You can then promote it and then you can turn back around and you can say, hey, look. I got a C&D from Disney. Is that good promotion? That's debatable. But guess what? Now all of a sudden people are talking about you. So be it good or bad, there and there's a lot worse things that you can do. As long as you nip it in the butt and you end it, I can see where some people could view that as positive. I, I personally, at this point in time in my life, I don't view that as positive. Joel, what do you? What are your takes from what's been said so far? Holy Christ! Um, I should write notes. <clears throat> I just started writing notes to try to <laughs> reply to everything. Because holy shit, I should have meditated and taken a Xanax and done yoga and uh, fucking uh, drink some seltzers. Yeah, uh, anything to uh, get into a Zen mode for this topic. Uh, because I'm holy shit. Okay, so let's let's take it back a little bit, and I'm sure everyone remembers the days when if two breweries had a similar beer name, it was like all-out war, and people would be feuding online, and like, no, they had it first, and you're wrong. I mean, there was the whole Magic Hat number nine, and then the other brewery with the fucking upside-down nine, West which six. was a six. Yeah. Um, I mean, people went nuts over that, and they took such hard stances on it. There was Dogfish with Pumpkin, and I forgot whoever, you know, that was with. Um, Mike, you were drinking a Lagunitas IPA yesterday, and I remember looking yeah. at that can and thinking of the whole the Sierra, Nevada Sierra thing. Yeah, yeah, I, I, you know, I thought of that. And now look at it. Just like Phil said, oh, we threw Lucky Charms in the fucking beer, so we're going to put the Leprechaun on the can. And I mean... It's straight up ripoff. Um, and, you know, a couple years ago, maybe maybe not even two years ago, I started to notice this blowing up on Instagram. I started seeing tons and tons and tons of breweries blatantly ripping off IP. I mean, 
uh, like just taking the label and you know of a of a product whether it's candy cereal even another drink i've seen um like a brewery do sours based on those like latin soda bottles i can't think of the name but i mean LaCroix. They, yeah yeah there was one like that um i i just i saw so many of them and i started talking to people about it and i'm like what what the fuck is going on here like where is all this coming from because in my mind i'm thinking Okay, I thought this is supposed to be like craft and everyone's like more ethical and we're supposed to have the moral high ground. And here's everybody who would shit all over AB or anybody else for their commercials or whatever they're doing. And here they are. I mean, I saw two different beers ripping off Murder, She Wrote. Who in craft watches fucking Murder, She Wrote? But like, I'm not even kidding. Um... There was one where I saw Ryu from Street Fighter, and I'm like, I've seen this image before. And instead of him doing his, like, Hadouken fucking photon blast or whatever it is, it's a hop cone coming out of his hands. And I'm just sitting there like, I've seen this before. And I Google Ryu Street Fighter, I go to images, the very first page, there's that image. It's on a like cell phone wallpaper website they stole an image from a cell phone wallpaper website put a hop cone on it and that was their beer label i mean shit got stupid egregious real fast i've seen every type of product imaginable when that freddie mercury movie came out i saw probably up to like seven beers in the same week with some form of freddie mercury i saw one where they had the guy playing Freddie Mercury on the fucking beer label. Like, what are you doing? And I had started this account called Intellectual Pooperty, which was just documenting all of these things. I just, every time I saw one, I would just screenshot it and throw it up there. Sometimes I'd have a comment. Sometimes I wouldn't. Sometimes I would tag certain people. Sometimes I wouldn't. I got accused of being the fun police. I got called a snitch and a rat. And it's like, well, if you're going to call me that, then you're obviously acknowledging that there's some wrongdoing here. And it just got super ridiculous. Eventually, I, I deleted the whole account earlier this year because I just got really tired of the notifications. People were tagging me and sending me messages about, have you seen this one? And it was like, I covered that four months ago. And like it, I was trying to sort of declutter online and, and remove a lot of just digital shit in my life and not have so many notifications all the time. And I got rid of the account. And I know others have sort of uh, picked up the baton and ran with it you know, on other accounts. It was ridiculous. I mean, if you were to scroll through the account and see some of the things people are stealing and ripping off, I mean, it was, you're, you're profiting off of using someone else's trademarked or licensed or copyrighted character. Like, I don't even know the difference between these terms. I'm not a trademark lawyer. I don't know shit about shit. What I do know is that it's unethical. Phil called it lazy, which a lot of people in the comments did, but I, I never did. I never did because I I took issue with that word because I know how much... Beer and brewing is hard work. I would never call another brewery lazy, but I would say that it, it lacks a little creativity. You could have spent a little more time just trying to figure out what the brand is, how to how to at least parody it, as Phil said. But nobody wanted to parody anything. They were just straight up taking shit. And it's like as long as you take the cartoon character's head and turn it into a hop cone, it's okay. Well, it's like the, the other 90% of that image is someone else's artwork that you're profiting off of. I've seen them use 
rappers' actual faces. Like, I know some breweries will just name a beer after an album or a lyric or a song title. I mean, I've done that myself. But I'm not going to put, you know, Gangstar on my can. I'm not going to put Eric B. and Rakim on my fucking hazy IPA. And that's the other thing. I think it's a cultural problem. A lot of this is the haze bros, the pastry boys, the younger, flashier, you know, dude bro breweries that don't seem to give a shit about a whole lot. And, like, I just think it's, like Phil was saying, I got to go back to my notes here, Jesus Christ. So, like, if you're purposely doing something to get the C&D, get the notoriety, whatever, it comes across just like those fake rapper feuds. And to me... It's inauthentic, and I don't like inauthenticity. It's just something that really bothers me. It's one of the things that gets to me the most, and I think it's a, it's a cultural problem because you're not going to see, like, Tony the Tiger on a can of ESB. You know what I mean? It's always hazy IPA, sour, smoothie beer, pastry stout. I don't think I've ever seen it on even a Pilsner or a Crispy Boy, as everyone's calling it these days. I uh, want to see you brew an ESB with Frosted Flakes. I, I I have an English mild in the tank, and you know what? I'm just going to put fucking Hugh Grant or, you know, whoever on it. Like, whatever. I'll put Queen Elizabeth on it. Fuck her. Uh, Joel, you had a wonderful rant there that hit a lot of the things that bug me about this whole thing. And, like... I'm, I, too, am a designer. I design things. I'm not, not one of the best in the world, uh, but I, I think that I have some skills. And you know what? When, when at one point you are playing around with Photoshop, getting to know Illustrator, things like that, you start playing around with fonts that look like other brand fonts. You, we've all been there to, to where we've decided to make something that looks funny as uh, utilizing someone else's stuff. That's fine and dandy to just do for fun. But when you start selling that, that is where the problem really lies. I mean, I'm going back to parody here. Parody usually is meant to bring to light the ridiculousness of a particular thing. And none of these cans are really doing that. Uh, Like just making a a Lucky Charms looking label. What is the parody here? What are you are bringing to light of the the ridiculousness of the Lucky Charms brand? There's nothing that you are you're mentioning there. There's nothing that you are truly parodying in that. So people need to stop using that as some sort of fucking defense. It's not, uh, and using that as a defense is again, in my opinion, lazy. And, and I'm not trying to say that some of these people who are doing these designs aren't talented. There are some really good, awesome-looking ones out there that you can tell that the person, the the illustrator, the designer, whoever, has some chi- uh, some skills and some chops. But just doing something like that, I, I feel like you're diluting yourself and, and, and really just selling yourself short, uh, I, I feel. Um uh, last year, I I had an opportunity to sit down and have some beers with a gentleman named J.P. Flexner. He is the designer for Neshaminy Creek Brewing's labels and their entire branding. And he's an illustrator. He drew all of this stuff by hand. And he said that uh, when someone does that, they, they, they make an amazing beer that they're super proud of. And they slap uh, like Spider-Man on their label. That's like the equivalent of an artist, an illustrator, making up their own comic book 
that has some amazing illustration, great story in it, and then all original, and then on your label, just or the cover, just having Batman on it. It's like, that's so true. You're taking something that you're proud of and you originally made, um, and you put a lot of work into making, and then you're going to take the easy way out by putting someone else's stuff on your your label. I, that's what really bugs me. I mean, they they probably, most of these breweries, they probably wouldn't like the fact if uh, someone else stole their IP and started using it in a parody way on something else. And going back to the C&D thing, a lot of these people use that as a way of a badge of honor or as a way to rally the troops, their fans uh, behind them and go, Look at what this big company's doing to this small little company. All we're doing is this, that, and whatever, yeah. and they want to try to hold us down. Fuck you for trying to pander to people like that, and and for being pretty much successful. People and people who buy into that, you need to fucking get with it. Like the they're using you as a pawn. Don't be a pawn. See through that bullshit. Call a spade a spade. Uh, I mean, it's fucking theft. Like that's really what it boils down to, and and if you keep on doing this stuff, you do it once, all right. You learn from it. Don't fucking do it again. And especially if you're you have a talented design team or designer, illustrator, someone on your team that makes awesome stuff. Don't do it. If you if you're one if you are the person and you have minimal skills, like Joel said, just took a uh, a phone background and very easily manipulated it. Go spend some money on a designer, please. It'll be better for your brand. Trust me. And it's worth it. But it's... There's so many bullshit excuses for people out there as to why they they do these things. They say they can't afford a real good designer. Bullshit. If you can't afford to have labels made and designed for you, then you have a lot of other issues with your company. And when when I see real designers, good designers, seemingly... Uh, steeping to those lows, it's it's sad. It it really is because you know you have have skills, you know you have talent, but it's it's low hanging fruit. A hundred percent low hanging fruit. But let's also be clear: this goes on everywhere. How many times have you scrolled through your Instagram feed and you saw rip off T shirts of comic books, Joel? How many times have you scrolled through and you've seen rip off? I I follow the car community. There are more fake Honda logos out there than traditional Honda logos. Like I don't think Honda is making carbon fiber pink and purple logos for their cars. Keeping it in beer or in beverage, though, I challenge you guys to a question. What's harder to name, a beer at this point in time without going against somebody's IP or a band? What do you mean by a band? Naming a band? A band? Naming a band. Uh, naming a band was always, before beer, naming a band was always the most challenging thing to do because there were so many bands out there and bands have existed for so long and somebody recorded something and sent a demo through the mail and we've all heard the story about how uh, I own the rights to this riff or this song title, this band name. So what's harder to name at this point in time, a beer or a band? I don't think naming a beer is hard at all. I'm going to say that. I disagree. I, I, <laughs> listen, the, the fucking argument everyone makes is, 
there's only so many words in the dictionary and it's like you know what that's not true they're adding words to the dictionary every year whether it's you know new slang or vernacular whatever it is and your your ability to your options for combining those words are limitless I, i don't even know what the number would be so we would have to get some mathematician to tell us how many different possible combinations of words are possible with what is currently in the dictionary right now i like i said before i think it just shows a lack of creativity hey i would rather have a beer name that sucks than rip somebody off um you know we have struggled to name beers at, at certain points in time like sometimes, sometimes we'll have a we beer have name. too many options right sometimes we will name a beer long before we've ever even come up with the beer you know, we'll just be in conversation and go, ah, that'd be a funny beer name or, um, you know, some some reference. There, there's no there's no limit on references, parody. It, it's super simple quotes, things that are said. But everyone just wants to sort of revert to the simpler things that are easily taken. And I don't think it's hard to name a beer. I mean, Mike came up with what I thought was a brilliant name for our Saison, and it was based off of a quote from a writer and, you know, a sort of philosopher that we, we both greatly respected. And maybe some people get it, maybe some people don't, but at least it's original. Yeah, I, I, I don't think that it is uh, difficult to name a beer or a band. Like like Joel said, there is so many options that you can go to, but uh, it's again low hanging fruit. People want to go to uh, song song titles, bands, um, TV shows, movies, things that are a part of our lexicon uh, uh, for many people. Um, you can go so much deeper. That's what like I did with the name of our saison continued existence. Like I I. Th- thought that it was a, a part of an amazing quote and I uh, went on untapped and I was like there's it's not there so I told Joel and he loved it so we had a we had a name sometimes we come up with way too many things like I was saying and it's like all right which one which one do we use here and they're all pretty original we come up with some things that we'll look up we think are great and like oh wow there's a lot of people that have used uh, that or some variation of that so we just move on and uh, like it, it, there's no reason to just completely stick to your guns on on something that is already taken by someone else you have the ability to come up with other things i mean that it is vast and endless i get that mistakes happen uh and people can accidentally create the same thing but we're in the internet age like full on now you have so much at your your grasp to be able to look up and cross reference and see if it's already taken and when people don't do that it just bugs me Uh, it also bugs me there's too much alliteration in in beer still too which i'd love to get away from i wholeheartedly disagree with you guys we could go easily another hour on this just off of this one disagreement where you look at over 400,000 different beers are already registered on Beer Advocate. I don't know how many of those are already duplicated, but when you start looking at putting a beer into distribution that's not at a brew pub level, that you're looking at national-wide distribution or even regional distribution, not only are you going up against 
other beers that are named that, but you have bands that are named that, you have movies that are named that, you have all these other things that are named or named similarly, even if you do try to parody off of that. But you don't have to. Uh, you it, don't have to do that. You don't have to, but at the same time, even if you don't, even if that's not your intention, you run into that. And and I think naming a beer is honestly probably one of the most challenging things at this point in time. And I got into a conversation this past weekend where it, that's what we were talking about was, is it harder to name a band than a actual beer at this point in time? And, and I think if you're legitimately trying to do things right, and keep in mind that there, you're looking at breweries and the conversation came from the right place where we're trying to do things positively and we're not trying to rip people off, it is significantly harder to name a beer at this point in time than, and put it out into distribution and large distribution than it is to actually name a band. I totally get what Phil's saying, and I, I understand from his perspective because of large distribution and, you know, you also have, you know, on that scale, you it's like a, a, a very, it's like this marriage between the creative team making the product and then the marketing team who has to go out and sell this because there is some stuff, I mean, like, there are times when even on a small brew pub level, we'll go... We can't name it this. No one's going to even be able to pronounce that. Like, we, you know, at, at another like at another brewery we worked at, we had a beer called, you know, like something Saison. And everyone would call it like something Situation. It's like they can't even read a chalkboard. So I understand that from the marketing perspective. But if you want to think about it from that level, that widespread, you know, largely distributed, very well-known national or international perspective, think of someone like, Michael Keaton. He wanted to be an actor and a celebrity, and his name was already taken by Michael Douglas. So he changed his name to Michael Keaton. He was like, oh, fuck, my name's taken. I got to change it. And I think it's kind of like that. Like, tough shit. You know, you couldn't get the name you wanted. It doesn't work. Uh, You know, you got to go another way. So I understand what Phil's saying. I still disagree. I think even though it's like, I, I, I get it. I get that you can't just, you know, like continued existence. I don't know if that would make sense on some national level. I don't know if people would get that. And I'm sure based on Mike's reference, it would probably piss off half the nation. But I just, I don't think the creative aspect is as hard as people are making it out to be. I think it's sort of a crutch they use sometimes to just go along with whatever IP they want to steal or whatever thing they want to reference. And we have gotten a little off on a tangent here going into names uh, when we were supposed to be mainly talking about design here. But you know, things like that happen. Um, uh, like, can, can, I, can I just run? Because before I, before I nuked the account I had, I took screenshots of like the whole pages of, you know, all the things that I had sort of documented getting ripped off. I'd just like to run through some of them, for example, to show you how egregious some of this stuff is. So basically what I'll do is look through these real quick and then tell you what they're ripping off, right? So right off the bat, Barry Bonds, LaCroix, Austin Powers, fucking brawny paper towels, Juicy Fruit Gum, Ghostface Killer, Nutella. Here's one that has Nilla wafers and all they did was remove the Nabisco logo. Cheech and Chong, Rick and Morty. One brewery has the actual actor Vince Vaughn on the fucking label. 
Harry Potter, Space Jam, Donkey Kong, Van Halen, Easy E, Minecraft, Big Lots, the fucking store Big Lots, the beer is called Big Lots, Murder, She Wrote, Jesus Christ, Skeletor, <laughs> Tron, the movie 300. One hour later. Faith No S'more, Blow Me. <laughs> Bruce Springsteen, Richard Pryor, like look, when you start fucking taking comedians, then you're going to really piss me off. Uh, Captain Crunch, Contra. I can't believe it's not hazy. You really want to put a butter brand on your label? Two hours later. WD-40. Yeah, that's what I want to drink. Uh, here's Skittles, but they called it Skettles. Same logo, same everything. They just changed one letter. Ben and Jerry's. Jaws. Prince again. Sleepy Time Tea. Are you shitting me? Uh, Wayne's World. Juicy Fruit. And on All right. And on. All right. That was like that was like one that was like one week on that page. All right. I'm gonna ask you guys a real simple question because the last time I traveled, I ran into a can that had the foot soldiers from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on the actual can of beer. If you walk in at I think we're all fans of He Man, right? Yes? Yeah. 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 I was more all right. of a She-Ra guy, but yeah. Uh, all right. Well fuck. Whatever. <laughs> so you walk into a package store and you see a can with Skeletor on it. Regardless of the style of beer, it could be a Kolsch for all that I care. You buy that can or do you not buy that can? Not One word, that's it. Nope. No. Not at all. Yes. So one Joel, out of three. Joel wouldn't buy. Joel wouldn't one buy out of three is going to buy that stores. can, and that is why these that is every reason why these breweries are doing it. I grabbed the can with the foot soldiers on it. Guess what? It was a great fucking beer, and I bought it for the nostalgia of buying a beer with the foot soldiers on it. And I was like, ah, I don't even remember the name of the beer. I don't remember the brewery, but I remember it had the foot soldiers on it. And so if I ever find the foot soldiers sour beer again, I'll probably pick it up. But at the same time, we are dealing with crowded shelves, which is another issue in a previous uh, episode. But we are dealing with crowded shelves. So how do you stand out? And some people want to rip off IP. I, I, that's my final word on this. That well, that's how they want to stand out. <laughs> okay, and I listen. What one thing I was going to say is that a lot of this IP is that it is is getting stolen, is stuff that I dearly love. I mean, just like you said, Phil, Ninja Turtles, He Man, all that stuff. I actually called out a guy who claims to be this, you know, highly just you know very very responsible brewer, you know, and. He put Skeletor on his can, and I called him on it, and he had nothing to say about it. Nothing. Not a fucking thing. And here's how much I like the Ninja Turtles. I pre-ordered the arcade one-up Ninja Turtles cabinet. It's pretty fucking expensive. I'm going to get yelled at a lot by my wife. But I did that, because that's how nostalgic I am, and that's how much I love that stuff. But when I, that is a licensed product. It's not like someone just came along and said, well, the game is 30 years old. I could just slap it into an arcade cabinet and sell it at Walmart. Like, no, they, it's, it's officially licensed. And, you know, I think if you want to pay homage or homage or however the fuck you pronounce it to whatever brands you love, you can do that. You can reach out and say, hey, we loved this growing up. Can we work with you on this? Is there something we can do? And if the answer is no, then then find a way to parody, find a way to reference. That's that's all I'm saying. And uh Phil, do you do you have any last word that you wanna you wanna have uh here? And I'll I'll stay someone some quick little thing too. 
I do think that yes, you can you can approach the original owner and you can say, "Hey, I would love to pay homage, homage, whatever to your brand." The smaller breweries don't have the amount of money to necessarily take care of that. When you're talking about massive Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, even uh, nationally touring bands, when when you see collaborations come about and you want to utilize their likeness or their logos or things of that nature, usually there's something there's a there's a side deal going on there, and sometimes it's not affordable to the actual producer. And again, guys, we're not just talking about the beer industry; we're talking literally everywhere. There's an issue with people stealing IP right now. Yeah, I, I I get that. Uh, it's but we're not we're not an everything podcast. We're a beverage podcast, and there's a <laughs> lot of stealing in beverage. Can can I ask one sort of devil's advocate question? And I don't mean to be offensive or or anything, but uh, Phil's significant other is somewhat of a public figure. If I were some super fan, would it be okay for me to just slap that person's image on my can? No. I think you've answered your own questions here, Phil. Um, to end this, um, um, for myself personally, I'd like to do something very positive here because uh, we've Joel and I have been somewhat negative to a certain extent through a lot of this. I just want to give a shout out to a few brands that I just think deserve recognition for having awesome uh, design work. Um, I mentioned JP Flexner, uh, please go check him out on Instagram. He does some awesome illustration stuff and he's recently done stuff with, uh, the Danny and Mike podcast, uh, the two guys from the original adventures of Pete and Pete, uh, on Nickelodeon. He's doing stuff with them working together. Um, and, uh, Nishamni Creek Brewing, um, Austin Beer Works, and Modern Times, who I love both of their stuff, and come to find out, they were designed by the same company. Uh, Helms Workshop is an amazing uh, uh, firm that has done a lot of work with uh, breweries. They did Boulevard's most recent uh, rebranding as well. Um, so some people are uh, are pretty awesome out there doing great design stuff. Um, let's let's keep on doing that in in the uh, beer world because we're, we like to think that we're making art in, in our liquid. Let's make that art translate over to how it's presented as well and have it be awesome, unique, uh, and specific to uh, our brands. Let's get into some last calls here, guys, uh, before we wrap things up. Um, this is the chance for each one of us to have a little say on something uninterrupted, unopposed, and uh, Phil, we'll start with you. Still somewhat flustered by this uh, previous <laughs> episode. So, it's all good. Um, <laughs> no, it's great. Um, I honestly thought I was going to fall asleep, and uh, it, it honestly it was a great conversation. Uh, and by no means am I for stealing IP or against IP, I understand both sides of the fence. That said, um, Takeshi69, I listened to him this week for the first time ever. That guy's garbage. That's my last call. <laughs> and I heard he's a snitch. And we know what snitches get. Stitches. <laughs> oh, don't bring him up into this now. 
I'll uh, I'll just say something really quick, and that's for I think everyone, whether they be designers, uh, brewers, um, or you know what, restaurant people, whatever. Know your worth. Uh, know like if if you're good and you've been appreciated for your work, uh, know that your time and your work and your energy deserves to be paid for for that. And uh, like for designers and stuff, like who are trying to get some work. I know that it sometimes might sound cool to be like, Oh man, this place wants to pay me in beer or pay me in food or pay me in something like that. Uh, but they'll give me work. Dude, if you're, if you're awesome, don't, don't do that. Get paid, make your money, make a living. You can't pay bills with beer. You can't pay bills with, um, with chicken parm, uh, know your worth and fucking get paid. I just want to say that, I had the privilege of seeing the Joker the or Joker the other night, not the Joker. Uh, pretty fucking great. Uh, Walk, I you know I knew Joaquin would kill it, but I kind of thought he would be just surrounded by a turd of a film. I didn't really know what to expect. Trailers really didn't blow me away. However, I was loving every single second of this movie. It it was just completely enthralling. Amazing uh, dialogue. I mean, it's it. It's mostly just him. There's not a whole lot going on. It's not a superhero film by any means. But I knew his performance would kill it. But holy shit, did it go above and beyond. And I think he's the best Joker yet. Don't fucking at me on this. I don't want to hear it. Joaquin's Joker makes Heath's Joker look like Jack's Joker. And that's all I got to say about that. Well, speaking of ats, uh, Joel, want to give your ats so people can uh, not at you? At Florida D U H Brewer on Instagram, Twitter. Uh, maybe one of these days I'll join Phil on MySpace. Uh, Phil still on MySpace and LinkedIn. Still on MySpace. Still on LinkedIn. No friends on MySpace. Um, yeah, it's a sad world for one person. Uh, you can follow me at Mike Loves Beer on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you can follow the show on twitter at united we drink on instagram at united we drink pod we you can like us on facebook as well um and you can listen to the episodes uh and the mini episodes as well uh wherever fine podcasts are found such as our website unitedwedrink.com apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. um you can buy a t-shirt sticker button from our store unitedwedrink.com slash store uh, next episode, we're going to be talking about safety. I'm looking forward to that one, too. I get two in a row that I'm really excited about. Um, so we'll see you then uh, in two weeks for that. We'll see you next week for a brand new mini episode. And uh, until then, we'll catch you next time. Cheers. I'll see you. Don't have me lead off on this next topic, please.